Ship's Log, Planet Terra, Continent Australia, Earth Year 
How many people even lived in Australia? 50, 60? Yes, and 200 people of that 50 or 60 saw this shit. So keep that in mind. (laughs) (laughs) I think technically um, tens of thousands of indigenous people lived in Australia since time immemorial. Fuck the British, (laughs) ain't it? There will be a PayPal to cancel Spooky Maddie in the description. (laughs) PayPal your local indigenous Australian. Do it. Write this. Pause pause it. Pause it. Don't miss any of it. Pause it. No, no, no. no. Actually, pull your headphone out. Let it roll. And then when you come back later, start from the beginning again. (gasps) Genius. Get those extra. I've got this new song called Yummy Yummy. Could you commit fraud (laughs) in order for it to be a success, even though it is a rolling puke of a song? (laughs) Did he have a point? Is that something we should use for all our tween fans? Just hit repeat on that motherfucker. Get us the views. Get us the listen. If this is the only thing you use Spotify for, you can just hit like the repeat button. Yeah. Leave it running. Leave it running. (laughs) Leave it running. Didn't I just condemn this exact sort of behavior? Yeah, but... That was for that was for Justin Bieber and we're like cool as fuck. We're cool. You got you got spook you got anomalous fever. That's a very dangerous fever to have. Because doctors don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, they're like that's Is oh, this God. some sort of podcast with five people that listen to it? <laughs> Who's a sixty-five year old? <laughs> <laughs> he seems pretty sexy. Oh my god. Listen to anomalous and your doctor will wanna fuck you. <laughs> Also, did you, okay, wait, did you forget we're recording episode? Do you think we're doing like ad spots? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, so keep that in mind. 200 whole witnesses. Some reports say up to 400, but you know. Fox News. Oh, all right. So the date is April 6th, 1966 at Westall Primary and Secondary School in Melbourne, Australia. At 11 a.m., the field and halls erupted with students shouting, Flying Saucer! That's definitely like a little <laughs> cockney boy who sells newspapers <laughs> to get medicine for his papa. One class of students and their teacher had just finished a sports activity and were still outside. Some others were inside during lecture and still more were on a break period. This is when I knew immediately that this story was going to be a pain to research just due to the language gap. And I do know that w- that we both speak English. Primary and secondary school are not descriptive enough. True. Primary school, I guess, is elementary school, but then secondary school goes like grade 7 to 10, but also mm-hmm. maybe sometimes all the way through 12th grade. But they don't have like a tertiary school. They have like senior a, secondary school, I think. If you have to be tacking on more adjectives in front of the word that's supposed to describe what kind of school it is, you fucked up. Oh, my God. Uh, I think this, uh, at the time, the school was like, yeah, elementary to maybe 10th grade. And the class that was outside doing a sports activity They were like high school aged, I believe. They were teenagers. Yeah. Just to double down here and double dutch bus, they weren't like five-year-olds seeing them and being like, oh my god, an alien. Like, they were up to teenagers. And, of course, we'll get into teachers as well, Saw. It It seems like they were like 10 to 16. Yeah. So students witnessed at least one gray saucer-shaped flying object. Debate on the number remains, with most accounts putting the amount of objects at one or three. The craft was described somewhat consistently as circular with a flat bottom and a domed top. Some reports have described the craft as having a slight purple hue, while others said silver or silver gray. Witnesses also stated that the saucer was about the size of two family cars, so, twice the size of your regular old family car. Hey, uh, po- pause the podcast, go into your garage, take a look, think, what if I had two of those? Or if you do, <laughs> there you go. Um, and then just, like, evaluate why you needed to do that. You didn't have, like, an image in your mind of two cars. Because they had one, and then you just told them to go outside and look at their cars. That's on them. So, Mr. Greenwood, the science teacher and one of the first to talk about the sighting, described the UFO as, quote, 
like a thin beam of light about half the length of a light aircraft. It was silver gray and it seemed to thicken at times. The thickening was similar to when a disc is turned to show the underside, end quote. According to the witnesses, the object had descended and crossed the school moving southeast, where it disappeared from sight in front of the school. It is thought to have landed on a nearby paddock known as the Grange. As it landed, students were called inside, but many decided to jump the school fence and run straight for the Grange. Several students reportedly made it to see the landed craft. Some stared on amazed, while others ran or even fainted in fear. And there was that story of a boy who ran to the Grange to see the saucer, and he saw a girl in his class running back screaming, and we'll get more into that later. In the cover-up. Mm-hmm. So, I'd like to know, um, you sort of copy and pasted the word paddock, I feel like, maybe from Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that means. Do you know what that means? Um, just like a, I think like a square of grass. A square of grass, that's what yeah. you're going with? I think there were some trees. I think it's like a area with like knee-high grass and trees. So that's what paddock means to me now, reverse engineering. A grassy <laughs> sort of knoll word. of sorts. I don't know if it was a knoll, because like a knoll's a hill. Oh. Or like a little fae-type creature that you would fight in a Dungeons & Dragons game. Nerd. Oh I just know it of where you shoot JFK. You know when you're out there in Dallas, Texas, and you're just like, what if I shot JFK yeah. today? Everywhere you shoot him from becomes a knoll. That's interesting. That's sort of a form of nature magic. <laughs> if you really want to know what a paddock is, fucking Google it, man. You're an adult. You hate it when I Google things on this show. Not you. I meant the listeners. Oh, you were looking directly at me when you said it. <laughs> I was kind of surprised to see that these little kids had that kind of reaction to the craft. Because that's something that's super interesting about this story is that like the fearlessness in not knowing stuff of little kids... That they would run directly towards the phenomenon, towards, like, this flying craft that they've never seen before. Because mm-hmm. it seems like in other tellings of UFOs, a lot of people would react by trying to stay away from it or hiding from it. And maybe we see them going towards it if they're, like, sent there to investigate it or they're military personnel or something like that. But it makes sense that these kids would run towards it because they're just like, oh, look at that sick stuff. And plus, all the teachers are about to make us, like, scrub the halls and... Scrub the bobbies and all that. True. But then they go and they see it. And it's like, what did they see? If it's just a thin, silvery craft, do you think that they would have, like, fainted in fear? Or did they see something else? Makes you think. Also, once again, they weren't, like, little kids. Yeah, I mean, they were elementary through the middle of high school. Yeah. Seems like most of the ones outside were teens, though. Right. And probably the ones that would have actually run to go see it. Yeah. And like jump the fence would have been a bit older. (laughs) Yeah. No six-year-olds are jumping fences. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, in the Grange, there was reportedly a perfect circle of flattened grass in the paddock that appeared to be five to ten meters in diameter. How many feet is that? Fifteen to thirty. Whoa. The once tall grass was said to have been squashed into a flat spiraling pattern. So the craft landed. It seemed like it fully landed, according to most of the sources, but I've never really seen that. (laughs) Like just laying, uh, uh, the alien just laying its craft fully belly down (laughs) on the earth. I don't think I've ever seen. They always have like little legs or they just hover there slightly. Maybe it's like they got the suicide doors up. Like the doors on the top dome, you know? Just open up the window, hop out, stretch your legs. Oh, so you're saying it was like they were doing a long haul truckers to hype journey. And they just (laughs) came here to get a couple uh, of brewskis for the road. It keeps them focused. Mm -hmm. A little bit of methamphetamine. Oh my god. Just to keep on going. The truck stop. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that that's very possible. (laughs) An investigation of the area by the Victorian Flying Saucer Research Society shortly after described multiple smaller circles. They also suggested the grass could have been laid flat by heavy winds in the week before or even by others investigating the landing site before them. They speculated, as we'll say as we get into the possible cover-up, that 
the army was there beforehand and could have trampled over everything. But just generally, I have to say I'm highly disappointed with the Victorian flying saucer research kerfuffle or whatever their <laughs> stupid name is. Because despite having a cool name and a rad mission statement, they were nothing but wet blankets Yeah, that's in every piece of research I found. Seems pretty lame. They were like, oh, it probably got trampled over. It could have been this. It could have just been the wind. It was probably weather balloons. Oh, oh, kid, did you know Santa isn't real? They just went up to kids and started <laughs> saying that to them. Wow. Rude as hell. Yeah. Haters. Did you know that there's actually not such a thing as a drop bear? It's like, why oh are you ruining God. the entire... Hey, kid, your parents don't love each other. Oh, how do you know? You, invest, you investigated that? <laughs> they investigated it. You're so, oh, well, that was a different kind of flying saucer. It's his mom. Threw. His mom's titties? <laughs> <laughs> no, like a literal, like a tea saucer. She would throw a tea saucer <laughs> at like the dad as they um, had the divorce. And then some guy. I bring up a fictional woman <laughs> in a story and just like, what do her breasts look like? <laughs> I'm a male author. Oh, my God. You cannot shift blame. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just be like, men be like. Men be like. Oh, my God. So, after 15 to 20 minutes, the craft lifted off, turned at an angle, and sped away, gaining altitude as it departed towards the northwest. So, it was going one way, parked on the grass all the way down, ass down. belly down, flat belly down on the grass. Chilled Clearly out. drunk. Chilled out for 20 minutes, sobered up, and then zooted off in the opposite direction. They said it turned on an angle, like how you'd flip a coin, and then just, like, shot away. Mm-hmm. So in that 15 or 20 minutes that it was on the ground was when it gave the children time to jump the fence and run over to this woodlandy area mm -hmm. and take a good old gander at it. Many witnesses state that while it was departing, the object was circled and followed by five unidentified aircrafts. Some students say they could hear a whirring, possibly the engines of those five planes, because others report that the craft itself did not make any sound. So the reports of the aircraft and the saucer are pretty consistent, and the reason it seems like everyone's really confident about it being aircraft is, one... Because they could hear some sort of engine sound from those five planes. Mm -hmm. And because when the saucer was leaving, it basically made these aircrafts flying around look like they were standing still. Mm -hmm. Like it accelerated at impossible speed. Yeah, and so the aircrafts that were reported to surround and chase the object were thought to be like identified as Cessna-like planes. Which is just to say single prop light aircraft. A Cessna has like four seats and I think it has one engine and just a wing across the top. Like they're simple planes. They're, they're what you would think of if A, you've ever had an uncle who's just like at a weird point in his life and decides to learn how to fly. That's what he'd <laughs> learn. Or just imagine that you have three kilos of coke and are flying into Miami airport. <laughs> You're in a Cessna. Very fun. Um, which is also to say it is identified, those crafts. So, I mean, I don't want to tell you what to think. But just to go over again, the flying saucer <laughs> came <laughs> in, parked. As it was leaving, it was chased by five earthly looking aircrafts that didn't seem to be joining like didn't seem like it was a part of the party seemed like it was trying to crash the party typical orbiters True. that sexy silver disc shows up to the party and all of the like have i told you would you like to come to play a, a super smash bros tournament with me <laughs> what the hell well you want to be my plus one to my bris later bris yeah. What's that? That's where um, you get the foreskin cut off of your penis at an older age than a baby. What the... You know, if you, like, decide to become some religion, and that foreskin's keeping you from getting into heaven. Oh. Gotta snip it right off. Okay. Who were you orbiting and inviting to your bris? Huh? My priest. <laughs> oh, my God. That's wrong. 
I think you're not allowed to say that. <laughs> what? <laughs> you said a you're sexy, not allowed. To... <laughs> you said that you're parting with priests and they're sexy. You have to get the priest with the sharpest teeth. Oh my god. They don't do that if you're an adult, I'm pretty sure. Who's to say? Me. With all the allegations being thrown around, who's to say what is true anymore? You know? Please cut this. <laughs> That's what I said to him. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> this is the final straw. We can keep the podcast going. But we will not talk outside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, apparently, some pilots have stated that they were in the air that day and saw the object and were possibly told to follow the craft. However, most sources are difficult to confirm and the pilots seem to want to remain anonymous. Is it a cover-up? Is it just people lying? It's unclear. The Civil Force for Aviation said that there weren't any unusual aircrafts Mm -hmm. in the area. There at least was one, but the pilot initially said, like, back in the 60s when he was asked that he was, quote-unquote, yeah. somewhere in the area that day, but didn't see anything. And then the RAF, which is the Australian Air Force, also said that they had no planes or personnel out there that day at all, but that could be an easy cover-up or another option. It could be a different country, like the U.S., having troops there. Uh, which we'll get into. But it seems like, yeah, no one's confirming that there were pilots that saw something, but there might have been some that came forward later. Yeah, and it's hard to say of the people who came forward, like these whistleblowers or whatever. It's, it's muddled whether they were flying their own flight that day or if they were, like, in one of those five planes. I'd like to apologize to the one person who signed up to listen to this podcast and thought it was going to be a true account of all facts about an alien sighting. Damn. Welcome to ufology. Wow. No need for that haterade. It is a fact. So it was stated that within 20 to 30 minutes after the sightings, police and military were on the scene, which brings us to our next part of the story, the possible cover-up. It seems like there definitely was, to at least some extent, that some people will say was a cover-up. Because mm-hmm. the first thing is, is the day after the sighting, the entire school was called into assembly, and the principal told everyone, you saw a balloon, like a weather balloon, don't talk to anyone about it. Just if anyone asks you questions, don't talk to them. That's fair. I guess it is definitely a technical cover-up. All the students, all the witnesses were told not to speak of it, not to go to the press. And I'll be the first to say, I hate a principal. A principal stuck up. I once told a principal, eat my shorts. Nice. (laughs) But I get it. He was reached for comment in one of the articles that I read from the local paper that did a couple pieces on it. And he was basically like, I think it's a balloon. And the amount of calls we're getting from fucking UFO dweebs who want to know the exact size of the craft, its color, and they just get really panty on the phone when I describe (laughs) it to them and suddenly they drop the receiver and I can't hear anything but a vague splashing in the background. Ew. It's just, we can't have this happening all the time. So it seems like he was just trying to protect the kids from getting bullied around by the media, which I understand. But... He also could have been told to tell the kids to shut up. That's fair. But it seems like the like psychological effect of having to be kept quiet did not fare the kids well either. It definitely didn't. I read in one report that the principal released a statement attributing the sighting to mass hysteria as well. From all his little chickenies. I saw some references to that from witnesses that did interviews later, and... I think that's one detail that might have been, like, overblown. It seems like he might have used it as, like, a turn of phrase. The woman who went on the interview said that when he called the assembly, he said, it's a balloon, this school is getting taken over by, like, a mass hysteria. And mm. just saying that everyone's freaking out about it. That's fair. But he could have meant mass hysteria, and we'll get into that possible theory later. Yeah. Barbara Robbins, the chemistry teacher, started taking photos of the craft. 
Reportedly, men in camouflage uniforms confiscated the camera and film. <laughs> Same camouflaged men or possibly men in blue uniforms that showed up and stopped kids from talking to the media. But the interesting thing is the Australian forces at the time weren't actually wearing camouflage. But guess who was? Who? Us. We? We. The U.S.? The U.S. Oh, oh fuck. Mm-hmm. Those bastards. Us bastards. Those bastards. bastards. Yeah, not even the British were wearing camouflage at the time. It's just not in style. It's not in fashion. Yeah, back in 1966, they tried to do camouflage, but then it came out as tie-dye, and they're like, this is counter to our message. Damn. Yeah, likewise, there were sightings of military men investigating the Grange landing site after the sighting. The Australian army once again denied these claims. Typical. Typical of them. It's funny to think, does Australia even have an army? <laughs> <laughs> Offensive. Oh, it's attacking Australia. They, um, I think they had a, a legitimate war with emus for a little I bit. I thought that was New Zealand. Well, then I don't think Australia does have an army. <laughs> <laughs> but it just is funny. Like, imagine being an Australian soldier. No shade, no hate. But <laughs> what are you doing all day? Just the same stuff that any army person is doing all day. Shooting a wallaby. Yes. Why are you doing a jack-off mode? <laughs> <laughs> was supposed to be a soldier with his gun movement. <sighs> ay, ay, ay. Anyways. The Australian Air Force and Civil Flight Records both claimed there were no planes in the immediate area that day. But that's kind of more suspicious. Yeah. I think that there might probably were military planes there that day which is a bit of a cover-up. I feel like the army probably just had a knee-jerk reaction. We're like, no, we weren't there. <laughs> yeah. We weren't anywhere. It's like asking Creature if he pulled all of the Christmas cards our loving family sent us down off the counter and ripped them to shreds. <laughs> like, he wasn't. wasn't it must have been the cat. He's like, I don't know. I can't read. <laughs> but I also think that the military planes that were there had nothing to do with an alien, and the aliens weren't there, and there was no spacecraft. Oh, what the hell? But that's... That's a little peek behind the curtain. Close it. Close that curtain back. Imagine just peeking behind the curtain and it's just, it's just me sitting there with my bald head. <laughs> just, hey, how you doing? Um, you know all the magic you believe is in the world? <clears throat> it's not there. Science proof that it's not there. We're all alone. Science didn't prove that. PayPal me because look at the sad. That's sad of me to have a magic crusher in my wife. So the media sources that chose to run the story were somewhat odd, a little bit oddball. Mm -hmm. The local tabloid oddly chose to publish nothing while the more respected broadsheet newspaper, the Dandenong, are you kidding me? <laughs> the Dandenong Journal released several articles in the following weeks. The fuck is the Dandenong Journal? The only journal that's brave enough to publish about all of these UFOs. If you did read a story in like the New York Times about a giant alligator that lives in the sewers and bites people's butt through the toilet... You would cross-reference that with, like, the gloss tabloid newspapers at your local fries. Yeah. Just to make sure that they're not playing an April Fool's joke out of season. That's fair. The night of the sighting, the local TV station Nine News ran a segment. It is said that investigators later went to the station's archive to review the piece, only to find the film missing from its canister. Very odd. Mm. Only read that in one place, but that would be super spooky. That would be scary. That's suspicious for sure. Absolutely. One witness, Jackie Argent, who witnessed one craft, started running towards where she thought she saw it land in the Grange. But on her way there, she ran into a girl named Tanya, who was screaming hysterically as she ran in the other direction back towards the school. Jackie said Tanya was taken away in an ambulance after the sighting and she never saw her again. That is pretty spooky. It's very spooky. It seems to be confirmed by multiple people mm -hmm. that either saw Tanya as one of the first people to make it to where the craft had landed in the Grange or had later confirmed that they 
didn't see her again after that sighting. Yeah, I've seen a lot of sources saying from kids who even didn't make it to the craft, they were just wanting to go to the craft. They were like, well, maybe not. Because they saw Tanya running and like screaming away from it, which is very terrifying. Some say friends even stopped by her house and were told the family never lived there. Researchers were allegedly able to contact Tanya later. She has preferred not to be involved and says she has no memory of the events. Glad to hear that Tanya's still alive, first yeah. of all. Second, to take it first from an alien's angle, lost time and lost memories are a pretty huge part of alien encounters in general. Mm-hmm. For every person that does remember an alien encounter, they're usually surrounded by people that don't remember it. Yeah. But to take it from the other angle... It could be that she doesn't remember the events because she was mixed up with somebody and didn't actually see anything. Not to be too just Cullen for you, then. That's extremely just Cullen. To take it from a third angle, she could have witnessed aliens and then the army could have men in, or just straight up men in black could have erased her memory. Did Will Smith do this to you, Tanya? Oh my god. And whatever that other guy's name I don't know. I've never seen the movie. But we shall do an episode on Men in Black. To take it from a fourth angle. Just too many angles. Maybe Tanya never existed. (gasps) No. No? Nah. Okay. (laughs) Too many angles. Uh, That's too many. This, as you can imagine, and as has been fairly commonplace with very famous uh, UFO sightings or children who have had like abduction experiences of the alien variety. These events seem to have affected these kids pretty uh, significantly throughout their lives. They believed they saw something and they were never listened to. They were told to remain quiet. I mean, straight up gaslit by the government and their principal. Seemed like the culture in the 1960s in Melbourne was mostly for kids to be seen and not heard. That the parents that actually listened to their kids about it were the exception to the rule. And then, of course, as they got older, if your dad is pulling you off to the side to be like, Hey, your mom told me to stop talking about this after our second date, but I saw an alien back <laughs> when I was in seventh grade in 1966. You're going to yawn directly in his face and then go play Grand Theft Auto 69 or whatever is <laughs> the most popular thing in that moment. I don't know. I'm built different, but yes, Papa, tell me about the alien. I would love to see your dad telling like an alien sighting story. He's scared of aliens and alligators. And when I was a kid, I was like, oh my God, are you just scared of things that start with the letter A? <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good connection for a kid. But... Alligators are a very legitimate fear. They grew up in the South. <laughs> yeah, especially, I was going to say, in Georgia, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, alligators are a huge, significant <laughs> fear to have there. Aliens, not as much. Now that I'm thinking about it, maybe he isn't scared of aliens. He was just like, shut the fuck up about flying saucers, you dumb five-year-old. <laughs> that would be am- You're like... Dad, have you heard about this sighting? What about this one? This one happened over in Mesa. (laughs) And he's just like, actually, Maddie, I'm terrified of aliens. And you're really upsetting me (laughs) by going into all of this inane detail. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly. Shout out to my parents. I was spooky since I was born. Since I was a fetus. She came out with eyeliner on. Uh Which is just... And a book in my hand rented from the library that's like cryptids of the world (laughs) now a lot has changed since he's moved around the country but back in his hometown in georgia are you sure that he wasn't initially afraid of alligators understandably and aliens (gasps) that's so messed up he married a mexican yeah he he turned it all around i'm just saying georgia back in the 1970s Probably he was told to be afraid of a different kind of animal. Wow, that's terrible. (laughs) I mean, it might be true. Oh my gosh. It's not like he was raised in Atlanta. Well, he only lived there for two years. Then here we are in the beautifully progressive Arizona. (laughs) Yes. All right. He married a Mexican, so. (laughs) (laughs) So that's all I got to say on that. So documentaries and stories have been continually coming out decades after, and that seems to have 
also really impacted a lot of the witnesses and their families. I mean, it's a lot, you know, getting constantly reminded of what happened. If you want to forget, you're constantly asked to relive it or you're constantly reminded of how no one believed you. Yeah, but it is the upside in that to get the story out there. It seemed like it was a positive impact for a lot of these kids that weren't believed or even adults that were believed for the 50 years after it happened to hear the story and be like, look, Mm-hmm. Look, just grabbing your child by both ears and shoving their face directly <laughs> onto the television screen. Look, it, it's real, you <laughs> little shit. <laughs> it seems like it did help them a lot. And it is a good reminder for all of the elite Reddit atheists oh like my myself. <laughs> oh, my God. That you do. You should be respectful of people's experiences because they're, they are genuine to them. Mm-hmm. And they seem to have... Whether it was an alien or something else, like I believe it was, it still had an impact on them and they still believed in what they saw and had to carry that forward. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to raise our children as alien believers. We're going to raise them as aliens. <gasps> How? Well, we're going to teach them a made-up language, Tolkien style, sort of just like hold back their progression as like people in society for as long as possible. I don't know. It seems like very questionable (laughs) we could raise our kids to be aliens by telling them like they're from another planet that's like they were delivered in a meteoroid that landed in the backyard and then we held hands and touched the meteoroid at the same time and our dna got absorbed into the alien egg so they're our biological kid because it would be fucked up to tell them they weren't yeah but they're also like a kyle xy sort of situation (laughs) (laughs) um So, seems like that will fuck them up for life. And I want to say that just, I'm pretty fucked up. I got the OC disorder. But not as fucked up as if my parents were to tell me I was from another planet Superman style and they adopted me. Uh, We just tell them that until they start to go to school. (laughs) You know, first or second grade, we're like, oh yeah, all that stuff we told you. It was make them up for fun. Then they'll be like, I can never trust you. Something as important as my parentage, where I'm from. Yeah, that's why we're going to tell them. We're going to balance it out by telling them from day one that Santa doesn't exist. (laughs) That's fair. We're Santa. I don't think we're going to do Santa in our house, not because we're like worried about the foundation of lies and how they can't trust society and what's real and what's fake. Yeah. It's because I want the credit for getting them the freaking presents. Oh, yeah. All Christmas, I was like... I bought all that with my money. It's all from me. I get all the credit. I really did that for every single person I we gave a showed, gift to. We showed up to your parents' house with a bunch of gifts for people, and they were all mixed together because they all came over in the trunk. Mm-hmm. And God forgive your mom for <laughs> accidentally thinking one of the presents that you gave her was for me. <laughs> You're just like, no, actually, that one I picked out and paid for with my own money. Yeah. So. Yep. Being gift card. I was like, I paid for most of that. And this then, much is from me. You should be 67% thankful to me because I paid for that much of the car. And then <laughs> yeah. the whatever's left, you can give to Cullen or whatever. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I was like, by the way, I spent over $100 on each of you. Give me praise. I literally said that. Yeah, you pulled out gift receipts, <laughs> but just to show them how much you had spent. You'd never, you never offered to return things. I love the spirit of giving that flows through me. You love the spirit of getting praise. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a give and take. It's a take and take. Oh my God. All right. So some theories of what it could be if you're like, I don't know, pretty much just so we buff out the time on this shit. <laughs> <laughs> we can't be this transparent. <laughs> so some of the theories that we have, because... It's not just aliens, and she gives me a dirty look. Could it be mass hysteria? It seems like you don't really know what that is, because it says here in the notes, at MADS, is that even how it works? And I said, yes. Although, it's often accompanied with physical symptoms, which we did not see here. There's like the dancing plague. Remember that? Really cool. Yeah, it happened to... A bunch of cheerleaders. It, it's usually tightly linked with somatic disorder, which most of the time presents some symptoms. So it's not exactly a typical case of mass hysteria. 
I think that's where I was kind of pushing back a little bit against mass hysteria, because in this case, it seems like a lot of people actually witnessed the event and could corroborate. I feel like most of the cases I've seen of mass hysteria are more of a thought virus than they are an actual group sighting. Mm-hmm. Where if one person had said that they saw this and such and such, and that idea spread throughout the school and they all started to believe it, that seems like a classical case of actual mass hysteria, yeah. where I feel like it's pretty uncommon for mass hysteria to be manifested as a group of firsthand observations. Mm-hmm. There have been accounts of or UFO sightings that are more closely linked to mass hysteria. This is just very vague details. I heard that in Iraq, there was like a group of people who saw U.S. missiles or what is believed to be U.S. missiles, um, but they thought it was a UFO, like fly above them, and they had physical symptoms. They all got sick after. But once again, it has to like... It's mostly surrounding the physical manifestation of the hysteria, so doesn't seem to line up perfectly with this at all, but could be more like a like a witness effect, I guess. It would make more sense with some of the theories we'll cover in a second, to me, where the object in the sky was seen by a large number of people, but it seemed like only a select group actually saw the landed craft in the Grange, and I could see how those select observations could permeate and affect what all of the other people saw, which is probably far more explainable. Mm -hmm. So to go into that a little bit more, what I personally think is very likely for the object that was seen in the sky isn't a flying saucer being buzzed by different aircrafts. It's It could be explained as what a very crabby, snippy old man wrote <laughs> in a classic letter to the editor that it was a drogue pulled behind one plane that the other four planes were running exercises on. Essentially, it's like a long sheet of some sort of silky or metallic material that would be silver or silver gray, possibly, that's towed about 100 meters behind one plane or 50 meters or something like that. And it's towed behind and just flaps in the wind. Mm. And then the other four planes run air-to-air shooting drills on it. Not with actual ammunition, but they would, like, line themselves up to, like, fire at it and dry fire and then line themselves up again, which would explain why they're all swarming around it. Hmm. And it would explain why it would thicken and shrink as it moves around and fills with air and squashes again. And that's almost a perfect size, according, again, to this anomalous right into the paper. Though drogues are a real thing. It would be the size, about half of the length of one of the aircrafts, and it would be a similar shape. It explains the observation of the science teacher with it thickening and shrinking. Mm-hmm. It really makes a lot of sense. That doesn't, however, explain the grounded object that the other kids saw. Yeah. I think, though, it also doesn't necessarily line up with the initial, initial sighting before it landed. I mean, I think there were some reports of other crafts around it, but... Not as much as when it was lifting off. Yeah. So there were a couple scenarios that people said. They said that there were three of the silver saucer-like crafts, but most people seem to have said there was one. Some people said that the aircrafts were there from the beginning, and then Mm -hmm. some people, like you were just saying, said that the aircraft started to swarm it and buzz it after it took back off from landing belly down in the Grange. But wouldn't it be easy for the military or the Air Force to just be like, oh yeah, this is a drogue? It would be, yeah. But just because it's an easy explanation. Sherlock says, from from the brilliant show oh, Sherlocked, liberty flying around <laughs> my head in all these different languages. Let I'm me, starting to see into my mind let castle. Let me go to my mind castle, child. Let me go to my mind masturbatorium what here, the, sir. I mind sex dungeon. <laughs> and I see that the most common and easy explanation is usually the right one. So if it looks like a drogue, it moves like a drogue. Might be a drogue. Well, why do, yeah, but the military caused a lot of pain and suffering for not being like, it's a drogue. I'm not saying it's a drogue and there are a bunch of cool dudes who do good stuff and I love the military. I'm saying it's a drogue. I don't know. Doesn't make sense to me. Well, it kind of meshes in with the other theory. And I think that these two theories 
go hand in hand. We usually go over our favorite theories at the end, but I'm just going to do it now because I'm kind of having a little fun with it. Oh. So there's these things called H-ball balloons or highball balloons or whatever. I didn't look up how to pronounce it and no one of no no one should care. <laughs> if you care right now, honestly, you're a balloon. Whoa. That's what I'm going to say. Uh-oh, circular. Circular. So H-ball balloons are high altitude balloons which is one of the worst abbreviations since ID, which to steal a Norm MacDonald joke, I is short for I and D is short for dentification. <laughs> H is short for high altitude. Yeah. And B-A-L is short for balloon. balloon. Uh, works. It does not work. Yeah. Um, thank you. Could be habal. Habal would be nice. Or just hab. H-A-B would be best. Hab. Yeah. yeah. So I think this works on a bunch of levels in that it is a U.S. and Australian joint effort to launch these giant silver circular balloons. Why did you just do a joint? Joint effort. Weed. Weed. (laughs) To launch these giant silvery balloons that measure atmospheric radiation. So Come with me, me and, and you'll, you'll see in a world, world contaminated atmo- with military weapons. No, in a world of atmospheric radiation. Radiation. I instantly <laughs> forgot, forgot what you yeah. said. It's, it's like, almost like she doesn't listen. I listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Apparently these giant silver balloons that they would put up would go like super off course. They had launched one literally the morning before just north, I think, of Westall. So the idea that a balloon could have floated and possibly even landed in the Grange is pretty likely. I don't know. If a balloon landed in a Grange and no one was there to hear it. Would it... Kids were there to hear it. Uh, Kids were there to see it. But would it have made such a, like, squash in the grass? Yeah. What? But it's a balloon. There was a Mythbusters where they did, like, a lead balloon that was just... Like a giant balloon, you know, made out of super thin sheets of lead. And um, it was like 18 kilos or something like that. Enough to squash grass, that's for sure. Once again, why didn't someone come out and be like, it was just our H-ball balloon, no worries. And also, why didn't anyone see anything like before or after? It's a cover-up in the way that all cover-ups are cover-ups. And all, I just accidentally broke one of our dishes in the kitchen and you ask if everything's okay. And I say, it's okay. Creature just knocked something over. That's a cover up. What the hell? When did that happen? <laughs> anyway, it's a cover up in, it's just covering up incompetence. It's not covering up something otherworldly. Like they lost a balloon and it almost hit a bunch of school children <laughs> and the school children looked at it. Um, I don't know. Or the drogue scared a bunch of people plus this balloon and... The U.S. in their camouflage, as we saw earlier, show up and they're like, it's nothing. Don't talk about it because they fucked up and ironically fucked up even worse by trying to cover it up. But then why didn't anyone see the balloon the day before or see anything after? I mean, they did see the balloon the day before when it was launched. And afterwards, um, if the military did show up 20, 30 minutes after, it would have been to, you know, get the balloon that had floated back away. If someone saw the balloon before, wouldn't they know it's just a balloon? Wouldn't there be some communication be like, wow, that sounds exactly like the H-ball balloon? I mean, when I started talking about these high-altitude balloons that measure atmospheric radiation, (laughs) you fell asleep while I was doing that explanation. That's why no one's heard about it. That's why no one even still knows about H-ball balloons, because they're some of the most boring things I've ever (laughs) talked about in my entire life. It's not that it was too boring. It was an all right amount of boring, but I have to poop. So that's just all I've been thinking about. And that little thought of needing to poop (laughs) completely pushed your mind away from even considering the very boring H-ball balloon. So to be clear, I think that it was a drogue and a balloon. That doesn't seem like the simplest explanation if it requires two moving parts. Bazinga. It's simpler than life developing on another planet and then making it here. No, 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 no. (laughs) Never. It's not possible. No. That's impossible. Follow and PayPal for more famous Star Wars interpret what is that called In- intimidations <laughs> i'm sorry i'm just i've been so mad since you got that offer from snl to go do your famous mark hamill saying no impression yeah no 
that's impossible. <laughs> now you have to donate to Baybell for that high class entertainment. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when I was like, no, that's exactly how he says it. And we looked at the scene and together. It, was, it couldn't have been more different. <laughs> I'd really like to savor this moment where I've talked almost completely jokeless for about 15 minutes about all of these explanations that are wet blankets and have no aliens in them. Because the next bullet requires you to ask me to talk about yet another wet blanket theory with no alien involvement. Yeah. Can I just... Mm. Please, no. Please go ahead. Huh? Please go ahead. Please. The military me. aircraft prototype. Oh What's yes. all that about? It could be yet another military. But you hate not joking. They do hate not joking. It could be yet another military craft. Yeah. Everyone's seen pictures online of the Avro car, which was basically the 1959 U.S. attempt to make a flying saucer. They made a saucer and then they just stuck a jet engine pointing directly up in the <laughs> center of it. And we're like, this aerodynamic equivalent to a spin to like a top that isn't spinning is absolutely going to fly around at high speed. <laughs> that failed miserably, but not to make fun of the Australians too much. 1966 would be about a good time for them to be looking into a similar failed idea because the U.S. had just discounted it five years earlier. Damn. Or maybe it's another cover-up where the U.S. had continued to pour money that could have been given to homeless people into a stupid idea to improve <laughs> a military we don't need. Space Force. Space Force. To outline the theory very simply, it could have been a prototype military craft that kind of look like a balloon or a flying saucer there's been examples it's probably not that but if it was it'd be really stupid <laughs> sure there's a lot of reasons i don't think that makes sense but let me <laughs> let us zoom through my theory of what i obviously think it is and we're gonna zoom because i have to she's turtle head i have to go poop right now and Wanna pause? We can pause. No, we don't have to pause. Okay. I'm gonna brave through. She's gonna barrel through like the poop barreling out of her butt. Aliens! <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a freaking alien. Alright. So, UFOs of this type, gray flying saucer, you know, the type domed on the top. Flat on the bottom. You know that Tiger song. <laughs> he would never rap about a flat, flat bottom. bottom. Have been spotted frequently since popularized by the Roswell UFO sighting in the 1950s. And a bunch of TV shows and like books and stuff that came afterwards. Yeah. So a lot of other things line up with a typical run-of-the-mill UFO sighting, including strange movement of the craft, which is like rapid, jumpy movements, soundless just float in there. That's typical of UFOs and possible alien technology. It is obviously unlike any other aircraft we've used then and now. Saucer shape is clearly not effective for Earth, as Colin said. So... Yeah, it does move characteristically flying saucery, which is hard or impossible for a plane or a helicopter to move like. Mm -hmm. Or just sort of like completely hovers in the air and then tilts. A helicopter could do that, but not to the same degree. But then it just, like, takes off at incredible speed and, like, accelerates faster than any human or craft could be able to. And it also sort of just jaunt side to side. Mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't care too much about its momentum. Yeah, and no clear, like, wings or... Yeah, no planes for it to glide on at all. Yeah, or whatever's on propeller. No propeller. That'd be cute. Like, a steampunk alien <laughs> race. Just... Tut tut tutting their do, way do, in. Do, 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 do. Uh, yeah, and you know that's part of the reason it's a like UFO experience. It's unidentified, and you're like, wait, what the hell was that? Because the way it moves is unearthly. Yeah, and that's the only problem for me with balloons is that you know if it moved like a balloon then and it talked would've... like a balloon, then it's full of hot air. Whoa! <laughs> that's what I say about my freaking boss. I'm kidding. I'm sorry, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> um, so why was Tanya screaming? 
I she mean, this is a little bit dramatic, that Tanya. Oh my gosh. What? Disrespectful. I don't know. She's a high school girl. They like drama. <gasps> what? Sexist. Ageist. Oh my God. All of it. If it was just a balloon, I don't think Tanya would be like. And especially living on Australia, when you see all the horrors of Earth, and you see a balloon, you're screaming and running. No. No, you you go up and punch that balloon. You punch a balloon. If you see a fucking alien shit, that's terrifying as hell. Yeah. So, why was there a cover-up? There was clearly some sort of campaign to silence the witnesses. If you're a, a pure UFO head as myself, you would know this. You would know why. It's because- Good day to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's because you don't want to scare the people. Because the people get scared. And you don't want the colloquial mass hysteria on your hands. Cover up the fact that there was an alien spacecraft so that people don't panic. See, when H.G. Wells released his War of the Worlds on radio and they're like, this is real. And then everyone thought it was real and panicked Mm. very hard. They panicked a lot. So. I blame that on it being the 1920s for the most part. What? You know, you just have a handlebar mustache and you have to wind up your car like in some sort of music box. (laughs) It's not a time of like high class intellectualism and uh, education. But the 60s are? Depends on where. All right. 60s Australia? Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) All right. Yeah. So I think it could have easily been a cover up so people do not panic because people would panic as we've seen. There aren't too many UFO sightings in Australia, but it is a huge, huge piece of land um, that is sparsely populated. So, like, most of the population lives in, like, three cities. Yeah, they just live on that one little coast because the the center is too hateful of a piece of Earth. Yes, everything. The air, the animals are hateful. However, in January 1966, which if you were listening, is the same year as this, just a few months earlier, a farmer from Queensland reported seeing a large saucer. And it definitely just wasn't Gucci Mane, a saucer, if I've I've seen one. Oh my god. (laughs) He's lost in the sauce. But without the saucer, you're also lost. This is why it's so important to have... A good but not overabundant amount of the sauce or saucers. Whoa. There is also one very high profile case in Australia that involves aliens, and it is about the disappearance of Frederick Valentech, which we might have a whole episode on at some point. He was a pilot traveling from Melbourne in 1978. He reported a large, unidentifiable aircraft flying around him. He said it was flying kind of in circles around him. It was flying above him. He was worried that he's like, this, this aircraft's just kind of messing with me. Um, he described it as a shining metal surface with a green light moving at high speed. So we're getting this information from his transmissions and near the end of his transmissions, he said, quote, it is not an aircraft, end quote. Then he was cut off by metallic scraping sounds and his transmission died or was also cut off. And that night, individuals reported seeing an erratically moving green light in the sky. And he obviously has never been found again. No one knows what happened to him. So Australia does have some history, at least, with aliens mm-hmm. coming to Australia. And then even after the British started to leave them alone, these flying saucers would show up and were abducting people and being spotted. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck the British. So if you're interested, uh, the like a... If you're interested... Hey, if you're interested... <laughs> <laughs> You're interested in that? <laughs> like I said, the case of Frederick Valentech is very high profile. There's a lot of haters about it. <laughs> so we'll have our own episode, but... We're all be a hater. Yeah. But, you know, the experiences Australia has had with UFOs are small but mighty. That's nice. Yeah. And we would like to shout out to Project 1947, which has a collection of primary sources thanks to Keith Basterfield. And thank you kindly, Keith. That had a bunch of sources of, like, newspapers that were releasing articles in the following weeks. 
which was very cool to read, and I would suggest it. Yeah. So that's your take, just sort of aliens. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is a big one. There's a lot of witnesses. There are There's a witnesses. lot of, like, strange things surrounding it. The cover-up. But if you were to go to a witness exchange, how many 10 to 16-year-old witnesses would you trade for, like, one 40-year-old witness? Uh-uh, that's hater behavior. There were teachers also. <laughs> there were a few teachers that also saw stuff. <laughs> that's hater behavior. I saw a lot of dumb shit that I thought was real as a kid. What? As a 16-year-old? My parents' marriage. (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) I saw a lot of things that just weren't real in high school. Like, a lovely vision of my future. Oh, yeah. Like, years, decades of health for me. I saw that in my future. That was nice. (laughs) Yeah. And now I've sort of got cancer. 23. Yep. You know, people have been telling me it makes them uncomfortable when I joke about the whole cancer thing. Wow, that's rude of them. Crazy. Anyway, that's a very <laughs> dour end to Westall. Um, bad for all of the people for the next 50 years, but probably fun as hell for that one semester where everyone was talking about the Oh, UFOs. yeah. Westall is the best, y'all. Very positive. <laughs> Believe in Westall is the best, y'all. Believe in yourself. Believe in alien bussy and believe in yourself. Believe in it being a balloon and a drogue in coordination. Oh my god, that's too many things to believe. Believe in yourself. Believe that the haters won't get you down and believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. (laughs) (laughs) It's been anomalous. See you in... uh, I don't know. I don't know. See you when I see you. See you when I see you. Where'd my hug at? (laughs) 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 Bye, bitch. Bye, bitch. (laughs) Bye. I thought I already fucking told you bye. Why are you still still here? here? You're still here? Bye, bitch. (laughs)